rehearsal. I'm so glad you came to join us. We decided to do a dress rehearsal today because, well, the time changed. We figured it might be a little bit hard to do our grand opening on, uh, on this day. And that it would give us an opportunity to kind of figure out how to work in our new space. I like our new space, don't you? Feels good to be in here. I'm excited about it. And, um, and I'm excited about what our series, our, we're doing a series starting next week on Live Your Vision. And it's all about how each of us can live a vision that God has in store for our lives. But today we're doing a prequel to that teaching, since this is our dress rehearsal. And I'm going to be teaching on the pursuit of happiness, since that is going to tie in quite a bit and I can kind of lay the groundwork for what's to come. Um, now, how many people like to be happy? Happy's good, right? It's not, you know, what's the alternative? Unhappy, not <laughs> unhappy, bad, happy, good. So, and I think that oftentimes in life, people focus on what do I have to do to be happy, right? It seems like a logical pursuit, doesn't it? Like, I like happy. I want to be happy. Let's chase after happy. But believe it or not, the psychologists, some of the world's leading psychologists say that the pursuit of happiness actually makes you unhappy. I know, isn't that weird? Um, and I'm going to explain all of this. But because happiness is based on, it's, it's temporary, it's fleeting, it's an emotion, and it has everything to do with our circumstances, and many things that are outside of our control. And so if that's what we're seeking, that it tends to actually give us the exact opposite result. So I want to kind of take a look at what the other option is, because there is another option. And so I want to take you to one of my favorite books of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. If you have a Bible, you can turn there in chapter 2. And when I was a little girl, I um, was a strange kid. And, um, <laughs> and I remember at five years old kind of trying to, I, I, like, I really relate to the book of Ecclesiastes because at five years old, I used to s sit around thinking a lot about what's the purpose of life? I'd pond, you know, it's kind of an odd thing, don't you think, to think about it when you're little, but I did. And so I would always come up with all of these ideas of what would be the most satisfying in life because it's, you know, 80, 80 years and it's over. So for some reason, I was just really fascinated by, well, what's the point? You know, what, what should be the goal or what should you aspire to? And, um, and a lot of my questioning seemed to look like Ecclesiastes. So when I became a Christian and read the book of Ecclesiastes, I'm like, oh, this is my book. This is like so me and like I think this way and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it as much as I do. So Ecclesiastes, it's kind of the question of what's life about? What's the point? In Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 1, if you'll go there with me, it says, <clears throat> um, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure, but surely this was also vanity. So I want to kind of explain this. He's talking to himself. You ever had done that? Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to, so he's telling his heart basically is what's going on. He's saying, I'm, I'm going to test my heart out with mirth. Mirth is pleasure, happy, feel good. 
So he's doing this pursuit. He's pursuing happiness, and he's, it's exactly what we're talking about. He's like, I am going to see if this works. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. Of course, that sounds like it would be great. But surely this was vanity, which is like emptiness. And so that's the thing that we're going to see is just that there's something. Have you ever noticed that, that just chasing pleasure feels empty? It's kind of weird. You expect that it would work out better. Um, so then it, and he says, I said of laughter, which is, you know, like having a good time, madness or like foolishness. This is uh, the new King James Version. And of mirth, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold of folly until till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their life. So what he's saying is he's on this pursuit when he says um, that I might see what was good for the sons of men to do. He's saying, I wanted to figure out what was worthwhile in life. And so I pursued all of the things that you normally think about it. But he's like, it just feel, felt empty. So then I want to read in verse 4, it says, I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. And then he goes on and on. So this is kind of, a lot of times, you know, you think about, oh, to feel better that you make money and you build things and accomplish things. And that's one of the things that I thought about as a kid, too. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll get rich and famous. That'll be it. That's the answer. And then I thought about it. I was just like, oh, that also, I was kind of playing these things forward and saying, but then if you die, what's the point of all that? You know, I think sometimes it's kind of a cool thing. Have you ever thought about, like, what are the things that you'd want to look back at at the end of your life and that would really matter? You know? And that's really what we're going to be talking about as far as vision is doing things with our life that where we look back, we feel great about them. That we look back at our lives and say, that's where I wanted to live. That's what I wanted my life to be about and doing it purposefully. Um, Let's go to verse 10. It says, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. (laughs) This is like if I wanted it, I'd I got it. I I took it. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done, and on the labor which I had toiled, and indeed, it was all vanity and grasping for the wind, or grasping for the... Now, so he's saying the same thing, like, he got so rich and so powerful that he could just do anything, and isn't that like the dream? That's living the dream, isn't it? Like fat, that's pretty fat. You're just like, what I want, I get. Like, <laughs> we usually think, have you ever thought, like, if I had that, that you'd be happy? Has that ever crossed your mind where you're going, if I had it all, that's what, I, I, it, life would be great. You know, look at people that are super famous or successful and just say, I want that. Then I'd be happy. You know, the irony is, and, um, because I also, you know, my day job, I work in entertainment. So it's interesting because the, how many people get to what they think is going to make them happy with riches and fame and feel really empty. I know somebody that was at the top of their career and making mega millions of dollars in a movie, and they tried to jump off a building and kill themselves. You know, it's, it's not what you think it's going to be. 
in terms of the aspiration or the fulfillment goes. You know, I mean, it, it sounds good, and people spend their whole lives, you know, over, over those things. And then it, they get there, and it says, it says it's vanity, which means empty, and grasping for the wind. Think about what it would look like if you grasped for the wind. I, I do this in another class, and it's just sort of like a little ridiculous image. I have this image of it like try, chase, it's chasing the wind or grasping the wind. You know, it's just like, talk about empty and stupid. I look stupid doing that. Didn't I look a little stupid doing that? <laughs> it's empty. You're not going to get anywhere. It's useless. It's futile. It's just like an exercise in futility. So what is the answer? So we're going to take a look. The, it kind of hints in, um, actually, let's go to uh, chapter 6 and verse 3. We'll just read that one real fast. A uh, couple books over, or a couple chapters over. 6 in verse 3, it says, mm, let's see. If a man begets 100 children... <laughs> Probably that wouldn't seem like a blessing right now. <laughs> but in these days, it's just like you could, like, kids were a big deal, and having a lot of kids was awesome. So 100 kids was like, wow, that's a fat life. If a man begets 100 children and lives many years, and that always sounds pretty good too, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with goodness, or indeed he has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better than he Wow. Um, so that's kind of saying a lot because it's like I'd you'd, it'd be better to be born dead. So it's talking about the fact that you could have all these external things, but it, what's inside is not filling you. Then it's all empty. That's pretty powerful. Okay, so the answer, kind of hints, is in meaning. The psychologists say that in order to have a lasting happiness that endures, meaning endures. Meaning transcends circumstances. Meaning transcends the moment. And so the goal in our lives, if we pursue meaning and purpose as opposed to happiness, do you see how much more lasting that could be? I want to give you actually the definition I, I wrote down because I thought it was pretty cool of meaning, having meaning in our lives is meaning is the end, purpose, or significance of something. There is a longing built within us that I believe God put there of having our lives matter and be significant. You are made to be significant. You are significant to God. You do have a purpose. Your life matters. And so we, so in this journey that we're going to start next week in the series, that we're opening of Live Your Vision, it's about taking a look at what were you made for? What is your purpose? What is it that you can live out in your life that will not feel empty and fleeting, that will feel fulfilling and purposeful? We're going to walk you through. If you don't have a clear vision in your life right now of where you want to be and who you want to be and what you want your life to look like, we're going to walk you through it so that you can get clear and be seeking God and have a picture. Wouldn't that be great if you don't have one now to see a bigger view of your life and why it matters? And we're going to talk about how do you get there, too? How do you walk it out over these next seven weeks? So... 
Let's go to, it also says, it's interesting because leading a happy life, the psychologist found, is associated with being a taker while meaningful life associates with being a giver. Yeah. And so it says happiness, these are some of the, I, it was this great article that said um, there's more to life than being happy. And um, it said, one of the things it says, um, Happiness without meaning characterizes a relatively shallow, self-absorbed, or even selfish life. In the words of Martin Seligman, who's one of the leading psychological scientists alive in the world today, he says, in the meaningful life, you use your highest strengths and talents to belong to and serve something you believe is larger than yourself. So that's where we want to be focusing our time and get a picture of what that is. And, and how would it be to use your highest strengths and talents for something bigger than you? It includes sacrifice, which doesn't always feel good. And so if you're chasing after happiness, it, you wind up indulging in self-gratification at the expense of others. Because if it's all about feeling good, right, then if it makes you feel good and it costs somebody else, that's fine. It's why a lot of relationships and marriages don't work. But happiness is an emotion felt here and now, but it ultimately fades away, just as all um, emotions do. There's another book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. He, it's a best-selling book. Uh, he wrote it in 1946. He was in Nazi Germany in the concentration camps, and he said that what he observed in the concentration camps, that the difference, the one defining difference between the people that lived and the people who died and survived was that they had a clear a clear sense of their meaning and their purpose, that that's what a big deal it was as far as people that were able to stay the course and stay alive in the concentration camps when he was there. Let's go to um, Matthew uh, 6, if you've got Bibles. I think we got it up there too, um, in case you don't. And it's also in the U version, in case you guys have got that. Lachey set that up if you've got the U version Bible app. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. In verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the goal is that we put, think about it, like what, who gets to the end of their life and says, hmm, wish I had more money. You know, you know, like your final days in life, sure wished I had really gotten richer. You know, it's just sort of, but, um, but if we pursue things that last, that, 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 that last, you know, longer, and so meaning is in that. There's another verse in Hebrews 11 that I want to go to because I just love, this is the contrast too. In Hebrews 11 and verse 24 because yeah, next week we're going to be talking about the promised land um, and what God's got in store for you. He's, you know, God's got a promised land for you. God wants to take you into a promised land for you. 
So we're going to talk about that next week. But in Hebrews 11, in verse 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Now, this is kind of interesting because Moses had it all. He was a powerful guy being raised as Pharaoh's daughter. He had riches galore in Egypt when Egypt was very powerful. That's about what usually he had way more than most people in this world do because the wealth back then was just when people were rich, they were really rich, you know, and a big, big difference. So you think about beyond the richest person in this world now, that would be kind of the lifestyle Moses had. What if Moses stayed right where he was with Pharaoh? Talk about an impact that he would not have made. We still talk about Moses thousands and thousands of years later because of the difference that he made because he stood for what he was called to do and for making a difference and for having a purpose instead of just thinking that the end goal was having a fat life. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. Like Moses. Pretty cool guy. I want to close in um, Ephesians 2. And in verse 10. And this is sort of... um, kind of one of the the theme verses that we're going to be doing in the series next week that in Ephesians 2 and verse 10 it says for we are his workmanship and that workmanship that word is the Greek word poema which is masterpiece you are God's masterpiece you know God's an artist have you noticed that you know look at a sunset look at the mountains look at the ocean I just I just I just really dig that about God you know, yeah, it's just like such an incredible thing to see the artistry of God in, in the creation. Well, guess what? You're one of those. You think things are magnificent God made? You are one of the magnificent things God made. You are God's masterpiece, God says. You are, I mean, and God's like, really, you think about the greatest artist that ever lived, Rembrandt, you know, Monet, any of those, like, they're masterpieces. You're God's masterpiece. And he can blow all those artists away. He's the, the great artist that inspired those other artists with the things that they did. So it says, you are his poema. You are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're created to do something that contributes, that makes a difference. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so... You are significant. You were made for a purpose. God has a vision for each and every person here that's so much bigger than what you could see for your own life. I believe that we think small a lot. Like, that, you know, like we think about just getting by from day to day and our lives go by, just getting caught up with things that, you know, distractions, et cetera, day to day. We really want, and this goal in this series is, is I believe that God has a vision for you, 
of what's possible. Vision is what is possible. There is a lot more possible for your life than what you can even think or what you realize. Have you ever thought about, about that you are significant? You are. There's one of a kind. There's not one person that could take your place. There's no one else like you. God isn't just like, oh, I'll just change you out for somebody else. doesn't make a difference. God's our Father who loves us. So in this, you're worth it. You're really worth it. I also want to help you to just be thinking. I want to ask you to be thinking about this and to be praying and to be seeking God for helping you to get clear on your vision, and we're going to walk you through it. Invest in yourself in this series. We're going to be doing six teachings on this to walk, I think it's six or seven, I forgot, uh, through April 21st, and each week we're going to take you through another stage of getting clearer and helping you to see your vision more clearly, get a picture, as well as how do you accomplish it and how do you walk it out. Think of what your life would be, look like if your life was focused on where, on where you really wanted to be in the big picture. How much would that change things day to day in your life and what that looked like? God wants that for you. You're worth it. I just encourage you to come as much as you possibly can in these weeks ahead. You know, and allow God to really stir in your heart in this and to really speak to you and help give you a picture. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for how much you made each of us one of a kind and unique. I love, God, that you have so much love for us. Um, And I just pray right now for every person in this room, I pray that you would speak to them and stir their hearts and get them excited and help them to overcome whatever has gotten in the way of seeing themselves as big as you see them and as significant, and as special, and that, they, that, that, that their lives count, that each of our lives count and really matter, God. I just pray right now <clears throat> for your working mightily in this time, and just in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen.